Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast. Hello, my name is Alan Spiegel. I am the founder of Safe Harbor International Network of Ministers, the founder of Journey School of Ministry, and I'm so excited to introduce to you GraceChannel.com. You know, it is a, a site that we are developing. Uh, it's going to have multiple resources on it uh, concerning the grace and love of God. So just follow us and uh, subscribe to our, our uh, podcast, our YouTube channel, and you'll get updated information as, as we go further and further with this. Well, this is part five. Probably wind it up on this one. This is part five in overcoming insecurities. Overcoming insecurities. You know, we've talked a lot about that in the first four, and we're going to go a little further with it uh, today. And I, I'm going to share some things with you that will, again, hopefully open your eyes to the value that God has placed on your life. You know, you're not valued because of what you do or what you haven't done or, or any of that. You're valued because of who you are and who God says you are. Now, last time we left off uh, talking about how important it is to know who we are before we try to decide what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to do it. Settling the factor of who you are is the most important part of being successful in life in general, whether it be ministry, business, whatever it is, family, discovering who you are so you feel good about yourself. Because if you don't feel good about yourself in Jesus, you're going to look to the outside to try to get that emotional need met. And let me tell you, your spouse, your children, your employer, your employees, your church members, your pastor, no one can do that for you. It's only God. Now, I'm going to start with a scripture out of Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 through 9, it says, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, oh Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, I'm but a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I'm a child, for thou shalt go to all that I send thee, and whatsoever I command you to speak, you'll speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I, excuse me, I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. Now think about it. Jeremiah said, Lord, I can't speak, I'm but a child. God said, I've called you to be a prophet to the nation, son. And I'm going to put my words in your mouth and you're going to speak them for me. Jeremiah called to be a prophet in his mother's womb. You were called and gifted while you were in your mother's womb. Matter of fact, I like to put it this way. Before your parents knew you existed, 
God had already planted gifts and talents inside you. The Bible says that God has put eternity in the heart of man. You have been given from conception and eternal purpose. And until you live for that eternal purpose, you're never going to be satisfied. Until you live out of knowing you're valued by God. Remember, we shared this a couple of weeks ago. Jesus baptized by John. Bible says the Holy Spirit came down in the shape form of a dove. And God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I think it's a message Bible that says he's the delight of my life. He's marked by my love. You are the delight of God's life. You have been marked by his love. He loves you with no conditions. So Jeremiah was given a charge that he was to operate in the office of a prophet. And I read that and he said, don't be afraid of their faces. You know, if, if you have insecurities, the faces that people, the scorn sometimes that religious people would look at you with could be very frightening. I can remember that as a young preacher. I can remember, you know, people trying to stare me down. I can remember those times, but as you become secure, that stuff doesn't, doesn't bother you. It, does, it doesn't frighten you. It, it, you know, it just makes you feel sorry for people, really. You know, out of insecurities, however, we often lead by feedback. In other words, if, if the feedback's positive, we keep going in that direction. If it's not positive, we'll go, on, we'll go in a, another direction. You know, our present sense of value is determined either by how we see ourselves in Jesus or by how we see ourselves in relationship to others. Which is it? Is your sense, your present sense of value determined by how you see yourself in Jesus? Or is it based on what you think other people think about you? See, God's love is the only source of abiding self-worth. Self-worth meaning, what do you think you're worth? You're worth enough that God gave his son. He didn't get a little fat baby angel there in the corner. No, he sent the very best that he had. 1 John 4, 9 says, and this is manifested the love of God toward us because God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Now think about it. God sent Jesus into this world that we might live, have a sense of belonging that we might live through him. That we might have abundant life through him. See, but when you look at 
anything other than Jesus to get your worth and your value and you don't look at the love that God has demonstrated to us in the fact that he sent Jesus for us, when you fail to see that and you stop looking at that, it's so incredibly easy to try to get your feeling good out of your performance. And we look then to our performance to establish our worth. And when we're saying that, really in reality we're saying, Jesus, what you did wasn't enough. It's like the, the like in, in the book of Galatians. Paul said, oh, you Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has bewitched you? That you, you started out in grace, but now you're mixing the law back with it. You're mixing other things back with it. You're, you're, you're making being right with God the gospel of Jesus, but you added circumcision back to it. See, under the, under the law, under, you know, Abraham goes away and he comes back and says, I got some good news, got some bad news. God's gave us, given us a covenant. That's the good news. What's the bad news? The bad news is all the males have to be circumcised as a sign they have received the covenant. Now, that's good news and bad news. Neither, to, I mean, to say the least. And so the Galatians has started out in faith. That's what Paul said to the, to the Galatians. They started out in faith, but then they started mixing circumcision with it. It was Jesus plus circumcision. Now, we look at that today, we think, how foolish is that? Jesus plus circumcision? How's that? I mean, what's that going to do to make somebody right with God? You know, and we kind of scorn at that and look at that, and, and we, we kind of like, oh, that, that's stupid. That's stupid. Real stupid. But we tend to do the same thing, just with different things. What do you mean? We say, well, it's Jesus plus living right. Now, we should live right. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.10 that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto, but not by, unto good works. In other words, what we believe should produce good works without even thinking about it. Okay? No, no, hang, hang with me here. So we say Jesus plus going to church. Well, we should go to church. Jesus plus giving. No, we should give. Jesus plus feeding the poor. We should feed the poor. But that does not, um, how can I say this? That does not make the gospel stronger in our life. It does not make it, how can, you, how can I say this? It doesn't make you more right with God. You are right with God because of what Jesus did. Not because you feed the poor. You need to feed the poor. We need to lay hands on the sick. We need to pray for people. We need to witness. We need to live good lives. All of those things. But that does not add to your salvation any more than male circumcision adds to 
the Jewish people's salvation. See, the circumcision, as I said, was a sign they received the covenant. Going to church, giving, serving, being a blessing, living a good life are a byproduct of who God made us to be. You know, you, you are righteous because of what Jesus did, nothing that you've done, nothing that I've done. You know, I was sharing, I was sharing recently in our uh, Journey School of Ministry, and, and I made this statement, and I think it, it kind of put a, a few people in tilt, if you know what I mean, the old pinball machines, um, put them in tilt. And I said, no one, well, listen close, no one goes to hell because of what they do. Well, Pastor, what sin will send you to hell? There's no sin will send you to hell except the sin of unbelief. But not receiving Jesus. See, no one goes to hell because of what they do, but what they fail to believe. The Bible says, if you shall believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. Does it say anything else? Now, again, we should do all those good things. We should operate in good works. We should do that. Okay, so jumping back into my notes here. Again, when we look at our performance to establish our worth, we're saying, Jesus, what you did is not enough. But what he did is enough. What he did was plenty enough. And we can't add to it. We can't take away from it. You can't get more right with God than what Jesus had made you to be. And you see, when you start feeling that on the inside, you're going to live different. You're going to treat people different. You know, I've said this countless times, countless times through the years. You can tell more about what you believe about God in your relationships with people than you can anything else in the world. How you relate to people. You can tell more about it in your relationship with people, what you believe about God. You can tell more about that in how you treat people than you can anything else. So when you're insecure, you don't feel good about you. Therefore, excuse me, you put the pressure on the people around you to make you feel the way that only God can make you feel. And that's a heavy load to place on the people around you, your family, or whoever. You know, A.W. Tozer said, and I, I've quoted it so many times. He said, the most influential and powerful thing in your life is what you think about when you think about God. You know, we can say, let's think about the mountains. We think about kind of the same thing. Think about the ocean. Think about uh, ice cream, you know, uh, watermelon or whatever, and we kind of think about the same thing. But when we say, let's think about God, man, oh man, the different versions 
of God we come up with. And you know, here, here's a, I hope I can say this in a way that you can grasp it because it's just difficult for me to communicate this sometimes. You find the God that you're looking for. What do you mean? If you believe in an angry, judgmental, hard to get along with God, you'll find circumstances that reinforce that belief to you. I'm not saying it's God. I'm saying to you it is. But if you believe in a God that's loving and patient and kind and, and all those, you'll look at circumstances that backs that up. So when you think about God, what do you think about? You think about one that's scolding you all the time and beating you over the head just waiting for you to do something bad so he can get you? If that's what you believe about God, you don't believe the right thing. No, God's a God of love and patience. Read 1 Corinthians 13 sometime because it describes who God is because the Bible says God is love. And 1 Corinthians describes to us what love is. In other words, it describes to us what and who God is. So when you read 1 Corinthians 13 where it says charity in the King James, uh, most translations say love, you could just put God in there. Because God is love. Love is God. That's one and the same. It's not two different things. That's who he is. And as you do that, you get a definition of who love is. I mean, excuse me, who God is. Because God is love. Patient. Kind. Easy to get along with. He's not looking to get you. He got you. And he, he like I said last time, he knew what he was getting when he got you. And he's not disappointed now that you belong to him. So this week, as you go through your week, let me just challenge you to, to meditate on again, I'm worth what God paid for me. Our sense of security comes from the price that Jesus paid to redeem us. And I'm worth what God paid for me. And so are you. So until next time, blessings to you. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Blessings.